Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, celebrating 20 years of bringing the outdoors to Colorado radio, here's Terry Wickstrom. Good morning on this uh, brisk Colorado morning. Uh, You know, for those of you that... uh, Want to get out ice fishing here on the Front Range? This is going to bode well. We are, uh, I was out yesterday checking, and uh, on Boyd Lake, the Marina Bay was covered with ice. I doubt it was fishable ice, but with the weather we had last night and today, and today we're not really going to have a warm day till tomorrow, and then it gets cold again. So I would think the smaller lakes, uh, Lawn Hagler was half frozen, are going to start producing ice. Be very, very careful because it can be tricky this time of the year. Make sure you're not going out on ice. You're not checking. There will be weak spots. But I think uh, this weekend and over the next week, we're going to see the front range ice start to form up and allow some close fishing opportunities. We're going to share quite a bit of ice fishing opportunities later in the show. Uh, Bernie Keefe is going to join us. Of course, Nate Zielinski will be on. Got a lot of things to talk about. I did, <clears throat> excuse me, um, post an open water article from my post column on my Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, about fishing Pueblo. Because Pueblo stays open to boats as long as the boat landing isn't frozen all winter. So there is open water and great shore fishing and tailwater fishing. We're going to talk some fly fishing later on. And we're going to be talking a lot of ISE, International Sportsman's Exposition. And we're going to give away three pairs of tickets this show to the International Sportsman's Exposition. So we have a lot going on. And speaking of that, let's go right to the phones. And joining us, probably, uh, he's probably on the water at Pueblo, even though it's cold, Sam Heckman. Good morning, Sam. Good morning, Kerry. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. And, of course, Sam, we love having you on. You're one of the more accomplished bass fishermen in this area by far. You've got many top uh, top finishes in a, num- in a number of very high-ranking tournaments. Uh, you do you fish a lot of different types of events, and you've been very successful. Been at it for a long time. I remember when you first started appearing at ISC. Gosh, that must be getting close to about 15, 20 years ago. And uh, you work with kids so much, and that's what I admire. But when did you start with ISE, Sam? How long ago was that? Uh, Terry, I think it was like two years before you had your surgery. And the first time I ever got up on a tank was when you needed assistance when you had your shoulder surgery. So that was quite a while ago. I remember Jared Edwards was just a little kid um, <laughs> um, just starting to bass fish. So that's that's how that gives you my age. <laughs> <laughs> You're young compared to me, but then so is everybody else. Hey, I want to, um, before we get on, I want to talk about the International Sportsman's Exposition with you, and especially the bass clubs you work with, those kids that are going to be there. But if you heard my open, I uh, posted uh, one of my past columns from the Denver Post on my Facebook page today. And I talked about both Pueblo Reservoir and the Arkansas River below it. They really do offer open water fishing throughout the winter, don't they? Oh, yeah. Yes, right now, you know, a lot of guys are are, are catching the walleyes, and some of them are finding them shallow. And there is even guys fishing the bank at night, still catching them up shallow. The shad really haven't had a hard die off yet. So there's there's just a n- numerous amount of shad just cruising the shallows and the banks and stuff like that. And we've actually been out. Um, just last weekend, we were out uh, chasing big schools of big bluegills and, and some crappies. 
So there's there's great opportunity if you don't want to get up on the ice yet. And, you know, I like to do both. But, you know, if I can get, get take the boat out and use electronics through, the you know, at Bubble, I'm going to do it. So that's what we like to do. Well, you know, I um, I tease my friends in Minnesota that I can ice fish and be in my boat or shore fish in the same weekend. And they go, that's just crazy because they, you know, but Pueblo does. It's a big body of water. It stays warm enough down there where I've, I've only seen it really freeze where we couldn't get a boat on it more than for a day or two a couple times, I think. Has that been your experience? Well, it's just a boat ramp. And when that, you know, the first boat that dumps in and when the guy pulls out, everything freezes. So it makes it real difficult, so they just end up closing it down until they get some. That north ramp gets a lot of sun, so that's the one that usually stays open. But you you mentioned the walleyes, the panfish, but even the smallmouth and largemouth bass are, you know, they they feed all winter long, Sam. They do, but you know, we don't chase those uh, Terry during the winter time. You know, they're so deep, and even the walleye, we kind of, you know, there's a lot of us that just really don't like the spoon for them because you know you bring them up. And sometimes they get the bends, and it's just harmful for the fish. So, you know, a lot of times we'll just, you know, if the fish are shallow, we'll stay. and We'll concentrate on the on the panfish that aren't harmed so much. But, uh, you know, I, we used to love spooning. And, you know, I, I mean, I did it myself for a lot of years. And, you know, when you get a couple floaters, it's it's just, you know, it, it's it's not the right thing to do. You know, as you get older, you realize it's like, okay, we can wait. Well, you know, another so that's thing. when you go down to the river down below, and you catch walleyes down in the river below. And actually, there's no size limit to the walleyes down in the river below the dam so you can keep them. Well, that's a lot of people don't realize that tailwater. You know, it's been really improved for trout over the years than the river below Pueblo. They put in some trout restrictions and they put in some habitat. But it's always, in addition to trout, had smallmouth bass, largemouth bass, walleyes, catfish, even wipers. I mean, I think I've caught everything in that reservoir in that tailwater. I caught a 20-pound channel cat in that tailwater one time so just about anything and then the other thing you can mention is people forget because they don't catch them very much during the summer when the water's warm great rainbow trout population in pueblo that you can access from shore during the winter you know they stock rainbows in pueblo you know yearly and a lot of those are those uh, i believe they're the the kamluke or the mcconaughey strain and, you know, those fish get really, really big. And you don't see them during, you know, you start seeing them in the fall when you start jerk baiting and, and blade baiting for the for the walleyes and the bass. But, you know, this time of year, the guys are catching them on power bait over down by the dam and off the off the shore by the dam. And they're catching some really big ones, some really big ones. Second largest trout I caught in Colorado came from Pueblo on a rattle trap. So that'll, wow. that'll, oh yeah. yeah, I believe it. Yeah, mm-hmm. that'll tell you. Let's switch gears a little bit. By folks, go to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook. Um, you'll see my that link to my column in the Denver Post on Pueblo. If you're just not an ice fisherman, um, you can still get some open water action in, even though the Front Range lakes will be freezing now. And later on in the show, we're going to talk about, in addition to the tailwater of Pueblo, some other fly fishing opportunities. We're going to have a uh, talk about probably the Big Thompson River and what's going on there. Let's switch gears, Sam. I want to talk about the International Sportsman's Exposition because you play a big part in it now. You're going to be both at our Experts Corner, which is something new this year, and you're going to be doing seminars uh, and we're doing a few things different this year. We're doing uh, Thursday and Saturday. Our seminars are kind of geared towards the average out angler, uh, weekend angler, trying to help him develop new techniques, help him get started if necessary. Especially Sunday is, I mean Saturday. We have such big crowds. We will have the walleye panel. 
But uh, then we're going to do something a little different on Friday and Sunday. Friday is going to be kind of our advanced day. And if I'm not mistaken, I think you're giving some presentations on Friday that are a little more advanced. And then I want to talk about Sunday. But let's talk about Friday first. I've got the schedule up here if I can read it. But do you remember what you're doing on on uh, on on Friday? Let me see if I can bring it here. Uh, yeah, you, I think I'm doing uh, power fishing bass. You are power uh, fishing for bass on the tank. Yes, and what what it is? It's just going to be a, a little more aggressive techniques. Um, sometimes you just need to get deep into the brush and fish hard, heavier lines, and just you know move a little quicker. Not something I normally do. If I'm catching fish, I'll usually sit and I'll work a spot over and you know try to find them on electronics and just keep working. But sometimes you you know when when in these tournaments you, you just got to make you know, split decisions and, and power fishing is just something, you know, heavy lines, uh, bigger spinner baits, blade baits, you know, just any type of bait like that, that you want to just throw in the heaviest stuff and just keep going and try to find those active fish that are going to be there and try to get them to reaction bite. Well, you know, I, and that's, uh, I want to reflect on bass tournaments and what you're saying about that. Um, in my younger days, I haven't fished bass tournaments in over 20 years, but, uh, you know, we'd approach lakes two ways. If you thought, if you thought there was going to be t- it was going to be uh, a smaller fish, but you needed a lot of them to score, you would power fish. You would just cover water, and then if you got in where you needed big bags, you might slow down and really work. You might fish for four or five bites in a day, but hope they'd be big. It's really evolved into a combination of the two. As modern anglers have really progressed, hasn't it? Yeah, it's, I mean, and electronics play a big part in that, uh, Terry. I mean, it's it's so advanced anymore from when I started. I, you know, I used to have an old bay liner. I just put a deck on, and I went, and I always went shallow. And that was, you know, that that was where I got my name, uh, you know, Slam and Sam. I'd always flip. And I still love it, but it doesn't always uh, get you the fish that you're going to need to, you know, to compete. So you, there's so many different techniques, and every year there's new stuff coming out. I mean, you'll see that at the ISG. So, Every year, there's always new product and everything. So it's it's I don't know if it's the fish that get used to seeing it or something new or you know. And sometimes I go back to basics and use plain Jane jigs again. And you know that's my favorite bait, a jig. But sometimes it's uh, it's crazy all the stuff that's coming out nowadays. We develop a confidence lure, don't we? And um, it was uh, I think it was Jimmy Houston and I. We used to have together. We used to say that you know. We'd use plastic worms. We're both big plastic worm fishermen. And Jimmy had a saying that any plastic worm would work as long as it was seven inches long and black. He said, <laughs> and I, yeah, use, I know you have that, you love that blue fleck worm. And I have, oh. I have a, a big box of them because, yeah. because of you. That blue fleck worm. <laughs> I have virtually caught bass in almost every state in the United States and Mexico. So it's just it's just been my go-to lure. I can I go to Minnesota on trips these days and and if uh if a lot of times I'll start with that cuz people don't realize Minnesota has lots of slop to fish, lots of weeds, but a lot they don't have any 10-pound bass, but lots of 4 and 5-pounders. And I I don't ever remember hardly ever dangling that 7-inch blue fleck 
power worm into a, into a weed bed in Minnesota and not getting a big bass. I mean, it's just, it's unbelievable. Let's talk a little bit about Friday night again and what's going on. I'm going to give people a rundown. Then I want to talk to you about Sunday because you got something special you're working with the kids on. Now, Friday, again, is kind of our advanced day. And just to give you an idea on the tank, Ronnie Castiglione is going to do covering water with confidence. And then um, Robbie Richardson is going to be vertically jigging kokanee salmon. Nate Zielinski is going to do advanced lake trout. Now, these seminars are ones they're only doing on Friday. They're doing other seminars the other days. Power fishing for bass with you, Sam. Then the science of jig fishing by Brad Peterson. And we got a heck of a lineup. Swim tactics for everything, Will Dykstra. And depth control by Chad Lachance. And boy, I tell you what, depth control, that is really something, isn't it? I mean, people, you know, Sam, when somebody comes up to me and says, uh, what lure did you use? I try to help them out. But when they come up and say, how deep were you fishing? I understand they're probably more of an advanced angler. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, with the new spot lock they have nowadays, it's uh, it's much easier to fish at depth and stay there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it really is. Now we'll go to the... Um... The Ask the Expert, the Expert Panel, the Expert Corner. This is something new this year. It's brought to us by Mile High Fishing Magazine. And what happens is um, people have signed up for different times in the um, Experts Corner. And they're going to be there instead of a seating presentation. They're going to be in this corner and you kind of walk up and just talk to them. And it's more intimate. There'll be a few people. You ask questions. It's a give and take. We're trying it this year. But let me tell you the lineup that we're going to have on the Experts Corner on Friday. Dan Swanson's going to give two seminars on electronics. Dan is a pro staff for Lawrence. He's a PWT Rookie of the Year championship qualifier. He knows electronics as well as anybody in the country. He's really good. Um, Brad Peterson's going to do hot new walleye presentations. And then Austin Parr is going to do reaction bites for walleyes. And then guess who the last, the last guy on Friday is going to be Sam. You know, this will be a name you know. You probably don't know he's going to be there yet, but I'm going to announce it. Uh, you ever heard of Brent Chapman? Yeah, I, I have. Yes, I do. I have. I have photos with him. <laughs> yeah, he is. Um, he is an elite angler on the on the BASS Elite Tour, and I believe he's switching to the Major League Fishing Tour this week. He just signed on the pro staff with Cast King Rods and Reels, and he is going to be in our uh, in our expert booth at uh, six o'clock, I believe, on a Friday evening doing how to pick a rod for the right technique. So that is going to be an awesome, that'll be an awesome one. But now I want to switch gears because Sunday is going to be our family day. And you work with the youth bass clubs and we have devoted, we're going to have on the tank. We'll talk more about that later as, as we get into the show more, but on the tank, we're going to have women presentations. We're going to have kids presentations, but in the experts corner, we are going to have um, some some fellows from your youth bath or bass organizations in that experts corner, both to help not only kids but any beginning bass fishermen. And I've got the lineup here. You've got Dylan Robertshaw. He's the junior state champion. He's going to be doing Senko techniques for bass. Cody Miller, a junior state champion, bottom fishing techniques for bass. Um, Robbie Gonzalez, drop shot and finesse techniques for bass. And then a bunch of them are going to do knot tying, demos, flipping, and pitching techniques. So that Sunday is going to be family day. 
But if you're a bass fisherman at all, these young men have a lot of knowledge to share, don't they? Yes, they do. They do. And they, they're they they're the kids that really, you know, and I get a lot of phone calls that, you know, my kid really loves it and he's really into it. These are the kids that really love it and are into it and think it, about it like we do. And, uh, you know, they, they focus their grades, get good grades, and, and they focus everything around their fishing. So it's it's pretty awesome. And they get great parental support. And, you know, I'll do anything in my power to help them and make sure they get stuff they need and, and to be successful. So, and now they can share some of their knowledge and tips and tacks that they learned. And uh, it'll be pretty fun to have them at the ISC. It'll be awesome. And not only that, we've got 40 fishing rods to give away to youth that we're going to give away on Sunday because it's family day. I'll announce next weekend how you'll be able to get one of those 40 rods. And in addition to that, I think somebody you know is going to be doing some women's seminars. Yes, my uh, fiance Amy Weingartner is going to be doing a lady seminar with uh, Sandy Roberts, and she's been up to the show quite a bit. And then Jeannie Gizzy, all three of them made the uh, the semi national qualifier here for Colorado for the TBF this year, and uh, they actually all placed in the tournament. So um, a lot of guys blanked. It was pretty tough that that time of year. So they're going to be doing um, a lot of demonstration, uh, you know, one on ones on how they got into it. You know what what uh, what baits they use, some techniques. Uh, it's, it's, you know, they're going to do uh, what to wear, you know, because, you know, they're really cautious about the sun and everything like that, and a lot of people don't pay attention to that. So they're going to just kind of go over all the basics uh, stuff that you need and, and get into a little bit of one-on-one. So it's going to be really a neat little deal for them. All right, Sam, we got to run. We are over time. The best thing I can uh-huh. tell people is this year, check the seminar schedule online. Thursday and Saturday are going to be different. Friday is going to be kind of an advanced day, and Sunday is going to be family days. There's going to be great information every day, but make sure you don't miss the one you really want. Sam, thank you for joining us. We will let you, um, we will let you go, and we will see you in a couple weeks. Sounds good, Terry. Thank you very much. All right. See you guys at the show. Yep, Sam Heckman, just a great resource, great guy. Really like him. I'll tell you what, that Friday with guys like Brent Chapman and stuff coming on, it's going to be just fantastic. You really need to pay attention to that and get out there on the right day. We're going to take a time out, and we're going to talk about a great activity that Colorado State Parks has coming up right after the new year on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. We're going right to the phones. And uh, joining us from Colorado Parks and Wildlife is Carson Ramsey. Good morning, Carson. Hi, Terry. How are you today? I'm doing great. It's a little nippy, but a beautiful sunny day, a great winter day in Colorado, and I love getting out in the winter. I mean, people don't stay indoors anymore. They get out year-round. It's really great. And, of course, unlike me, who was just so regimented this year, and I didn't overeat or imbibe of too many adult beverages the entire time, and I won't, of course, right up to New Year's, there will be some people, I guess I I was one of them, actually, who may (laughs) overindulge, and they want to kick the New Year off right after maybe a celebration, or maybe they haven't, but they just want to get the whole family out. They've got time off, and New Year's day, Colorado State Parks is part of a great opportunity to do that, aren't they? Yes, they are. So Colorado State Parks participate in a program called First Day Hikes, which is really exciting. Over 30 of our parks are participating this year. And essentially, this is just a initiative that encourages people to get outside on the first day of the year and spend time exercising and connecting with nature. So it should be a great opportunity for people to kind of 
get rid of that sluggishness that they had from the holidays and start the year out on the right foot. No, you're absolutely right. And and I was serious about people just spend more and more time outdoors. And sometimes you, when the weather gets a little cold or when this kicks in, you just need that one kind of activity that gets you out there and gets you going again. And then you start going more on your own, too. So there's a great, it, it just kind of fires you up. And, and I know, like, the first time I go out ice fishing for the year, I'm a little cold. And after that, I'm just, wow, I got to get out. It feels so good. Now, you got an addition with this. How many parks participate in this? So this year, we have over 30 parks participating and a lot more events than that because a lot of the parks this year are actually hosting multiple hikes throughout the day, which is great. So people will be able to choose the hike that's right for them, whether that is regarding ability level or how long the hike is. People will be able to select that fits a, a hike that fits their needs perfectly. Well, and when you say they're going to be hosting, these are like guided hikes or walks they send you on that are marked and they have um, and they're usually there's some kind of interpretive thing going on or some kind of group activity or or you're particularly looking for a type of animal or some kind of formation or forest so so there is some purpose to these hikes too if I'm right and if I'm not mistaken they're spread out because there's so many parks there's one in every region of the state is that right yeah, you're exactly right. This year we have, with so many parks participating, basically every region is covered. So Coloradans from all across the state are going to be able to find a park close to them that they can participate at. And you're right about how these hikes, they're guided and they're interpretive talks. So it's going to be led by a knowledgeable staff member or a volunteer who's going to be able to give inside information about the history of the park, the geography of the park, any wildlife you might come across. And this year we actually have a couple of parks who are doing additional things to kind of shine a light on some of their other features. For example, Bar Lake State Park will be providing scopes throughout their hike, so visitors on these hikes will have the chance to spot for bald eagles or any other wildlife. And Staunton State Park is actually hosting a campfire, so people have the chance to roast some hot dogs, make some s'mores, and warm up with some coffee and hot chocolate around the fire. So it should be a really great day. And a lot of them have some kind of refreshments and and gathering either before or at the end of the hike. So it really becomes a camaraderie thing, too. Um, where do people, if they want to participate, if they're saying, boy, I just want to do that to start the year off right, is there a place on the website they can go get information? Yes, there is. So if you head, head to the Colorado Parks and Wildlife homepage at cpw.state. .co.us. First Day Hikes is actually highlighted right now on our main page. It's one of our main sliders, so it should be the first thing you see. So if you go ahead and click on that, it will bring you to the First Day Hikes page, which has a list of all the hikes that are happening this year, details on what time they're happening, where to meet, if you should bring anything, how long the hike will be, so all the important information can be found on that site there. It just sounds like such a great way to get out. Um, you know, we, Karen and I used to do, we'd try to get out in the holidays and go snowshoeing or go yeah. on a walk or just get out. It just makes you feel so much better and it's so much fun and there's so much to see. People don't understand the wildlife viewing this time of the year can be phenomenal too. It really can be. And that's, you know, people don't know what they're going to get on that these hikes, which is so exciting because you might get some bird watching in, you might see some really cool critters. So it's a really great opportunity to discover some hidden gems at a park that you might visit frequently or a new park to you. So we're really encouraging to get people out there. And like you said, it's really, it's a healthy option. It's great for the body, the body and the mind. So it's a great way to get the year started on the right foot. Now, I believe the only charge for this is just your pass to get into the park, which is either a daily or an annual, right? Yes, you are completely correct on that. The hike themselves are free. The interpretive talk is free. You just need your 
either annual or day pass to get into the park. All right, and the information is on the website, and instead of saying that long website, I just Google Colorado Parks and Wildlife, and it comes right up. So that's all you have to do. All right, Carson, thank you so much for joining us. Great information. I hope a lot of people take advantage of that. I hope so, too. Thanks for having me, Terry, and have a happy new year. You have a happy new year, too. Thank you very much. That's Carson from Colorado Parks and Wildlife. Great idea to get out. Hey, I mentioned earlier that um, Friday at ISE is going to be a special day with more advanced presentations and some special experts appearing. You really need, when you go to ISE, to check the schedule of what days you want to come because Thursday and Saturday are going to be our typical, you know, presentations. Now, this is just at the Aquarium Tank and the new Experts Corner. And so Thursday and um, Saturday are going to be kind of like the normal days. And every day is a good day to come. You can talk to these guys that are going to be there. They're all there. They love to talk. But um, it'll be more of our standard presentations. On Friday, I've told the guys we need to pick a special presentation that you won't give any other day and bring it up a notch. And we're having some experts there, and I'll get to that in just a second. On Sunday's our family day. We're going to have uh, women's seminars. We're going to have seminars for beginning and children. And we're going to have uh, the youth bass clubs in the experts' corner uh, doing presentations and giving information on bass fishing and youth bass fishing in particular. But on Friday, uh, we have a special guest in the Experts' Corner Friday evening. And I announced his name earlier in the first segment. And we had him on a couple weeks ago also on the show. And he's going to be there Friday evening. I'm going to give two, uh, I'm going to give a pair of ISE tickets to the first person that texts Karen at 303 713 1043, that's the standard text line here at the fan, the Ramos Law text line. And the first person that texts the name of that special guest we're having Friday evening uh, will get a pair of tickets to International Sportsman's Exposition. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 1043 The Fan. You know, Kyle, if there's one band that I might not turn the channel to listen to the Eagles, it's uh, Dire Straits. I love their guitar licks. These guys just, uh, they rock. Not They're not the Eagles, but they're good. Hey, you're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. We hope to be joined shortly by Elizabeth Brown from Colorado Parks and Wildlife. But um, just in case she got busy or some emergency came up, I'll kind of run through what she wanted to talk about. You know that we uh, passed some, uh, we, the people or the the legislature in Colorado, passed some legislation last year, both for uh, funding parks and wildlife called the um, Future Generations. And they also passed some ANS or uh, Aquatic Nuisance Species Invasive Species type legislation. Now, the invasive species uh, showed up in Colorado, the zebra and quagga, quagga mussels in particular, quite a few years ago. And for the most part, we've been able to keep them at bay. A lot of other states are terribly infected. I can tell you that um, 51 boats came into Colorado for inspection and uh, that were tested positive for mussels. Forty of those boats came from Lake Powell. Lake Powell is very infested, and we don't know how it's going to affect Lake Powell. But the big concern, well, there's two major concerns here in Colorado. If the mussels get in here, 
They can have a tremendous effect on our waterways, our fisheries. But the other thing we got to be aware of is the water providers. Um, the, the mussels can have a tremendous effect on the infrastructure of water providers. And if they think we're not taking precautions to keep the mussels out, they will just close water to recreation. And that's what's happened in California. It's happened in other states where water is. And we don't have an excess of surface water for boating in Colorado. We need to maintain. In fact, I'd like to see us grow it. So in order to maintain that program and keep the, that access available, funding was necessary. The funding did come from um, taxes on the oil and gas industry till a couple of years ago, the courts ruled that that funding wasn't going to go to that anymore. It was reduced. I think we still might be able to get some. It was taking about 5 to $6 million to fund the inspection stations. And now all of you boaters have gone to these inspection stations and you have, uh, you've had to wait and had your boat expended. Some of you may have to have it decontaminated. They've got the process down where it moves pretty smoothly now. And this uh, this year, 2018, uh, they, able, they were able to come up with some emergency funding. And what they did, they passed this new law now that if you've bought your boat registration already, you've seen a $25 charge on there. And they're calling it a stamp in the legislation, even though you don't actually get a stamp. That extra $25 on your boat registration goes to the ANS fee for inspectors to keep our lakes open. If you're an out-of-state boater, it's a $50 fee, and you get, a, you get documentation that you paid that. It still really isn't a stamp. But uh, that money is going to raise about two and a half to three million dollars. So it's only going to pay about half what it really takes to do the inspections. Like this year, partners will kick in, other park entities, uh, other entities that are just concerned about the outdoors, uh, the general fund of Colorado's legislation, just things like that. And they're very confident. I talked to Elizabeth because I was concerned that the funding might not be enough. And they said they're very confident they're going to be able to fund it at least at the level of 2018 and hopefully start even improving access so there's more and more access. That's kind of the gist of what uh, she wanted to talk about. She wanted to let people know that why you're seeing that 25 or out of state $50 and uh, and let people know that we're surrounded by the mussels. Fortunately, no water runs into Colorado in our rivers. So by keeping boats from bringing it in, we can keep the contamination out of our waters and keep them open so we can enjoy a lot of fishing. So that's kind of the gist of what she wanted to say. Uh, she must have had an emergency come up today. But just be aware more than anything that you're going to start seeing if you when you register your boat, that $25 fee. But that's going so that we have places to boat. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. We're going right to the phones. Uh, one of our favorite contributors, somebody you've seen me do a number of television shows. In fact, if you go to my YouTube channel, uh, Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom, you'll find shows with this man all over the place. And not because it was only convenient, but because he's one of the best fly fishermen I know. And he always shared a lot of great information. Kirk Bean from Kirk's Fly Shop in Estes. Good morning, Kirk. 
Good morning, Jerry. It's a little bit nippy here. I heard it was even colder up there, but I'll, it warms up and the fishing will get good, won't it? It's actually pretty warm up here today. I think uh, my car driving in is at 28, so I think it will be above freezing here pretty soon. I might drive up there just to get warm. Right. I think it's warmer up here than down there. It is. It, my, my thermometer at home said zero this morning. So. Holy cow. Hey, um, you know, speaking of cold, though, I remember a February day when we were going to fish, and it was 20 below. So we said, let's wait a week. And the next Saturday, it warmed up substantially. It wasn't warm, but a lot warmer than 20 below. And you and I had one of the best days we've ever had on the Big Thompson. Yeah, it fished really good that day. Yeah, it really did. Well, and it's a tailwater. You've got that 40-degree water coming out of uh, Lake Estes. And it really, um, it stays fishable for quite a ways downstream almost all winter, doesn't it? It does. It fishes real well. How's it fishing right now? It's it's really good right now. I mean, we don't have a ton of open water below the dam. we got about three miles of the tailwater open right now. What kind of techniques are you using there? Uh, mostly small midges uh, works the best. Uh, you can also streamer fish in the wintertime and kind of get them irritated into biting. I remember one time you and I were irritating some pretty big fish in the Big Thompson on streamers. <laughs> yeah, you kind of showed me the way on that. Well, I don't know about that, but we had a good time. You approach the small nymphs a little different than a lot of people, though, Kirk. When you're fishing those small nymphs, a lot of people put split shot on. And, of course, they use uh, an indicator, and you do use an indicator at times. But you really don't like to have anything unnatural below the indicator. You like to use, like, tungsten flies instead of weights, right? I do. I try to get the weights all right by the by the tungsten beads. Uh, I try not to add any split shot, and I think it uh, makes for a better drift. Well, I'll tell you, I've fished with you in these situations, and it's been phenomenal. Speaking of that time, on the Big Thompson, when we did fish that tailwater, we were a couple miles below the dam. Uh, that uh, those in, taking fish, those fish were so gathered in in individual pools. There were so many fish in a pool, we wouldn't have had to move if we didn't, because they didn't even realize when one got caught out of it, and they didn't spook. I think the only reason we moved was to get different shots for television. Right, right. Yeah, the wintertime is kind of nice that way. You know where the fish are, just those deeper pools, and they're all piled in there. And you just get the right drift in there and the right fly. You can just keep catching each fish out of there. Now, do you guide for those all winter? We do. We do guided trips all winter long. And any other spots you're still guiding for besides the tailwater of the Big Thompson? The main spot that we're doing is just the the tailwater. If there's other open water, other areas, we'll go to it too, but um, just to change it up. But that three miles... It's actually pretty easy to get into and get any hole you really want. Not not too much uh, other competition out there. Well, you know, that's another thing. You know, don't put your long rods away. In addition to the Big Thompson, we've got, you know, the water below Pueblo Reservoir. We've got, you know, some of the other tailwaters, Cheeseman Canyon, and some of those areas, too. And on a, on a nice day, you can go out in the wintertime, whether it's the Big Thompson or somewhere else, and you probably may not find another angler on the river Enjoy some of the best fishing of the season, and really enjoy the solitude, too, right? That's right, for sure. Now, you stay open. What are your hours up there during the winter? Uh, we're open from 8 to 5 every day. 8 to 5. And how far ahead do you have to book a trip if they want you to guide? Maybe, you know, there's a lot of people, because of the small nymphs and things like that, that get a little hesitant in the uh, 
the winter fishing because it does get a little technical at times. They're small flies and making sure you keep your tangles out. And there's a few nuances that fishing with a guide can just help you to avoid some other things. Uh, so do you need to book a guide trip this time of the year very far in advance? No, we just just need a day's notice. Generally, we can get you in the next day. Even sometimes you might as well ask if you want to go the day of. We could we could try to get something to work that way, too. So. And I want to switch gears a little bit. I know you're going to be at a couple uh, couple sports shows coming up. Uh, let's talk briefly about the fly show is coming up. I think next weekend. It is, yeah. Will you when you you'll be down there if I'm not mistaken? Yeah, we'll be at the fly fishing show. I think that's Thursday through Friday of next week. And then after that, of course, I'm at the ISE, which I host the aquarium demo tank there every year, and that's a big show. And you've been involved with ISE for a long time too. In fact. If I'm not mistaken, are you one of the sponsors of the Fly Casting Pond? We are, yeah. And, and of course, tell us a little bit about what's going to be going on fly fishing at ISE. Uh, well, there'll be shops there selling fly fishing stuff for sure. And uh, they'll have a casting fly casting competition. I think they even have like a skills casting competition too. Um, and lots of other stuff there, too. Well, lots of seminars. You've got both the Fly Fishing Theater and the Fly Casting Pond. I see this guy, Kirk Bean, is giving a uh, a presentation on Fly Fishing Rocky Mountain National Park. When do you ever get up in that park? <laughs> that's my favorite place to fish. So, yeah, all summer long. Is that's, that's the time to fish the park. Well, and you live right on the doorstep of the park. Um, and, and you know that park probably better than anyway. I think you and I, let's see, we've... We've taken llamas up in the park. Uh, we've ridden horseback up in the park. And we've hiked up in the park just to fish it. So we've done a, a number of trips up in the park together, you and I. And so it's, uh, it is, it's you know, it's Karen and I think the park is our favorite place in the world. And not only the fishing, but just the setting you're in. And, you know, I used to say you don't catch a lot of big fish in the park, but you won't catch fish in a better setting. But you kind of changed my mind on that. We caught some awfully nice fish in those alpine lakes in the fall. Yeah, those, those high mountain lakes can have a, quite a bit bigger size fish than those streams, but generally it's known for just really pretty fish and pretty setting. Yeah, and what people need to get to your seminar, I know you have one one on, I believe, um, uh, Thursday, is it? Or maybe it's Friday. Friday, I know you have one. Let me look here. I'll see when it is. I got one clicked. I know you got one Saturday. I haven't looked at. People really need to go check the schedules when people are talking. Right. But you'll be there for people to stop by and talk to, even when you're not giving your seminars. Of course, right? Be there all all four days. Yeah, it's sure. it's it's. Uh, what are some of the? Let's get back to the fishing ones. What are some of the biggest mistakes you see when people do try to fish these tailwaters in the winter? Uh, I notice that a lot of people fish tailwaters and they really try to do long casts and sneak up on the fish. The one thing on tailwaters, you can pretty much go up right over the fish. They're used to people, so they don't seem to spook as bad as you think. You can get closer to them, and then they'll settle down and start biting again. So that's kind of one thing I've noticed a lot. And then another thing is you just got to go small. Um, if you're nymphing, you got to go at least 6X fluorocarbon tippet and tiny flies 22 or smaller. Now, do you always use an indicator, or do you sometimes use a bigger fly for your top indicator? And if you do that, do you just do it at certain times of the year? I do. I think the fly is a lot more sensitive to the bite, so I'll use a big dry on the top. Um, you're not going to get very many fish to come up to it, but you never know. Sometimes you get a crazy fish that will come up and bite a big old chubby Chernobyl on the surface in the wintertime. Well, I think the other thing, too, with the, using a fly for your indicator 
is that we're always so worried about, you know, should we use yarn or an indicator, make it look natural, not spook the fish as it goes overhead. You know, something that looks like a bug is probably not going to spook the fish. Right. That's the most natural for sure. Yeah. So so anyway, we want people to come to ISE and they'll see you there. You're going to be sponsoring the casting pond. You're going to have some special sales going on. Oh, yeah. We'll have some good deals on fly rods and reels and all that kind of stuff and trips. All right. So we will uh, see you there in just a couple weeks, my friend. Thanks, Terry. You bet. That's Kirk Bean from Kirk's Fly Shop. Great, great guy. Just a super fisherman and so knowledgeable. I'll tell you what, before we uh, take a break here, I want to go over. I was out driving around doing some scouting for ice fishing uh, just a couple days ago. Now, we've had some cold weather. As you know, that we've had... uh, some very uh, unusual weather. We, we started out, looked like we were going to get early ice here on the Front Range, and we did get some early ice on some of the mountain lakes, uh, but then it warmed up here on the Front Range, and we really never got what I would consider good fishable ice here. Uh, you could drive up to places like Red Feathers, and we may talk about that again later in the show with another guest. The areas up by Granby, uh, Willow Creek and that are starting to fish, and Bernie's going to come on later in the show, and we'll talk about that. But uh, there was other other things going on. You know, I love to get out close to home. I love to fish the lawn haglers and the small ponds that you can fish that freeze over. And, of course, Boyd Lake is close to my house, and I love to fish that. So we, we I drove around, and this was Thursday. Uh, Boyd Lake, the Marina Bay was covered in ice. The rest of the lake, we had a big wind, if you remember, was had white caps. Now, the... The wind settled down the last couple of days, and we've had some really cold weather. I may try to drive by Boyd on the way home today. I didn't this morning, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's capped or close to capped with ice. If not, uh, we got one warm day coming, which is Sunday, really, and it's not that warm, and it's going to be cold at night. I would say by sometime next week, you should have fishable ice at least around the shore areas. Now, be careful. This time of the year can be extremely, extremely difficult. So be very, very careful, and don't wander around without checking ice, no matter what size body of water you're on. Lawn Hagler was about half frozen, half capped. Um, so I would imagine we're just days away from seeing fishable ice there. The St. Vrain ponds were totally capped when I drove by this morning. And it was, it's going to be very cold again tonight. Then it's warming up tomorrow, but then it gets real cold through New Year's again. And if, the, if your favorite front range spot doesn't have some good ice by this weekend, I would say by the middle of next week, you could start checking. But when I say start checking, really proceed with caution. We don't want to end up in a situation where somebody goes through the ice. And if you are going out in a situation, go as a, go as a team and bring a rope. Um, very few people don't come back up. It's just they can't get back out. And, you know, so take every precaution. Ice fishing is an incredibly safe sport. In fact, less people die falling through the ice, ice fishing, uh, than almost any winter sport in Colorado. More people die in avalanches and skiing all kinds of other opportunities. You just need, like anything else, to use common sense and approach it sensibly. If you do that, you can actually have a lot of fun out there. And when you get these warm days after you've got good ice, that ice doesn't just go away. It stays for a while because it's still cold enough that it's making ice underneath, and it doesn't melt that fast in one day because it doesn't get warm for very long. And also, I don't know if you know this, but for rainbow trout, the catch rate in Colorado is almost double 
through the ice what it is through open water. A few reasons for that. The fish um, don't get, you aren't chased all over the lake. So when you find fish, they usually haven't been bothered quite as much. The uh, Parks and Wildlife heavily stocks the lakes going into fall, both for ice fishing and then so they get a good start in spring for open water fishing. So there's lots of fish in the lakes. And then you can move around the lake when you're ice fishing and really get the spots that even if you had a boat, you might not get to very well or you couldn't hold over very well, but you can make a great presentation. So we'll talk more about it. In fact, when we get back after this short time out, I'll bet you Nate Zielinski will probably talk some ice fishing right here on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan.